the term Good Friday is kind of a conflicted term. To call it good seems to ignore or just gloss over the, the reality of what happened that day. It's, it's kind of like calling the, the Holocaust nice. It just doesn't fit. Good Friday is the day that Jesus died, but what makes it weird to call it good is, is the way he died and what led up to it. Before Jesus died, he suffered horribly. If you've seen the, the Mel Gibson movie from years ago, The Passion of the Christ, you've seen a, a pretty accurate depiction of what Jesus endured. I remember when the movie first came out and people realized it was going to be rated R. That, that seemed to shock people. I mean, it's a movie about Jesus. But then they went to see it. And they understood. What Jesus went through was not pretty. It was horrific, traumatic. People who, who are first responders or who work in emergency rooms see that kind of thing. They flogged Jesus, which means they whipped him. And don't think of an um, Indiana Jones-type whip. Think of a torture instrument like this. It, it was not uncommon back then for someone to be whipped and die from that. The, the blood loss would have been substantial. But, but that's not all that they did to Jesus before he died. They stripped him of his clothes. And in front of a whole group of Roman soldiers, they, they put a, a crown of thorns on him and, and a purple robe and made fun of him as, as a, a king of the Jews. And, and when you think of the crown of thorns, don't think of like a, a rose bush we may have. The thorns in Israel sometimes are three, four, five, six inches long. And that shoved into a head where there is a lot of blood flow meant even more substantial blood loss. Before Jesus died, he suffered. And that's why it maybe is weird for us to call it good. It was not good for Jesus. But the reason that we call it good is because of what it means for us. Jesus endured that suffering so that we would not endure that suffering. We said at the beginning of the service in that responsive reading, he took up our pain and bore our suffering. He was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. He did all of that for us. This is how the Bible puts it in Matthew 27. Then Pilate released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him 
and put a scarlet robe on him, and then twisted together crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand, then they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. This is the word of our Lord. If you like animals, one of the things that really tug on your heart is when you see an animal that's been abandoned. You see a dog or a cat abandoned by his owner, and your heart just goes out to that animal. And then, if you hear of a parent that's abandoned their child, that, that turns to, to righteous anger. You hear of a parent leaving their, their four-year-old kid at home for an entire week and, and abandoning the child, and, and it, that just, it furiates you. And then we see that Jesus was abandoned by his father. But, but that, that's a different thing. God the Father did not abandon Jesus because he couldn't deal with it anymore. He couldn't handle Jesus anymore. It wasn't anything to do with Jesus. God the Father abandoned Jesus because of us. The reason God had to turn his back on Jesus is when he looked at Jesus, he saw us. Specifically, he saw our sin. He saw the ugly reality of the things we've said. The horrible reality of those things we've done. The, the unheard of things that we've thought. When God the Father looked at Jesus. He could not stand to look at Jesus because he saw the harsh, ugly reality of us, our sin. Earlier this night, we admitted, we, we confessed, that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Jesus took our sin on himself. He was abandoned by his Father so that we would not be abandoned by our Heavenly Father. He did that be for us because he did not want us to get what we deserved. He did not want us to see and experience that eternal torture in hell. Before Jesus died, he was abandoned. Reading from Matthew 27. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, 
put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. This is the word of our Lord. A week or so ago, we were driving on Route 1 right by Speedway in town, and we saw uh, some road rage going on. Two cars had stopped by Concordia and Library, blocking traffic, and, and they were going at it. I, I don't know what started it or what was about, but that's where the, the two southbound lanes end up in one lane. I, I don't know, maybe one guy didn't let the other in or, or something like that. Unfortunately, the road rage continued for a few more blocks. I mean, you look on YouTube, and you can see all these road rage videos. You look on social media. And if someone feels that they've been insulted some way, oh, look out, it is going to get ugly. In our society today, we have this idea, um, this concept of personal rights. And if we feel that they've been trampled on or violated in some way, then it seems like we have every right to get even, every right to, well, that's what ultimately leads to, to road rage. That's why when you look back in history, certain people just stand out. Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., if the things that happened to him happened to us, we would want to get even and, and revenge, and it would be pretty extreme road rage. But that's not what he did. He was that proponent of nonviolent protests, and it, it stands out because that is not what we see much of today. That's the same thing we see in Jesus. Jesus, as he is being crucified, showed love. He showed love to the very people that were hurting him, that were crucifying him. He showed love to the very people that were killing him. Before he died, he showed love. Reading from Luke 23. Two other men, both criminals, were also let out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. This is the word of the Lord. Have you ever had a migraine headache? Every once in a while, I'll get them, and if I'm quick enough, I just take an ibuprofen and I'll be fine. But if I'm not quick enough... Down for the day. The pain comes, it's really hard to see, and my mind is just in a fog. 
Maybe you've experienced something like that, pain after, after a surgery, a broken bone, uh, your, your back is out. And, and it is just so hard to concentrate on anything because that pain is just always there and, and prevalent. And so we can kind of understand how Jesus felt on that cross, except his pain was thousands times worse than a migraine or a broken bone. And yet, in that pain, he shared love. Understand, the cross was the Roman government, government's worst form of execution. It was, it was something that they had perfected over centuries. It was designed to inflict the most pain over the longest amount of time, just holding that person in that horrible pain and stretching that out. We, we, we have a term in English, excruciating. It actually comes from a Latin term that means from the cross. Excruciating pain literally means the pain of the cross. The Romans prided themselves in this execution. They, they pounded nails through that prisoner's hands. They, they pounded nails through his feet. And just the way a person hung on a cross meant it was, it was hard to breathe. And so the, the only way for a person to, to get a good breath was to put the weight of their body on those nails, lift themselves up, and gasp for some breath. And so eventually, because of the blood loss, because of that pain, after days, that person would just have no more energy. And eventually, they died. Understanding that, what Jesus did on the cross, before he died, he shared love. Love with the unlovable. Love with the undeserving. Before he died, he shared love with someone on death row. Reading from Luke 23. There was written, a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. If you're a parent and you still have children at home, you feel this, this weight of responsibility to take care of your children. They've been entrusted to you. 
It's your job to, to provide for them, to, to make sure that they have food to eat, that they have clothes to wear, a place to stay, that, that they're taken to the doctor visits, the, the dentist appointments, that um, they have an education. It, it's your job to, to bring them to church and, and to learn about Jesus. And then later, sometimes that flips. And when that child has grown up, then they end up having to take care of their parents and maybe having to take them to doctor's appointments, uh, pay their bills, uh, take care of things around the house, things like that. And with either situation, whether a parent taking care of a younger child or a grown child taking care of an older parent, with either situation, there is this, this weight this sense of responsibility, and that can be intense at times. It can cause someone to, to lose sleep at night. Perhaps you've experienced those sleepless nights and that worry. Add to that feeling a, a realization that you may not be there to take care of them, and that is what Jesus felt. Now, we don't know what or when exactly something happened to Jesus' stepfather, Joseph. But Jesus was responsible for taking care of his mom. And now he was dying. And so before he died, he took care of family. Reading from John 19. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. This is the word of our Lord. If you've been here at Trinity for the last six weeks, you know that every week we've been asking the exact same question. What if? What if Jesus sinned? What if God didn't love the world? What if Jesus did not meet us where we're at? What if God looked at things the way we do? What if Jesus wasn't God? And tonight we ask another, what if? What if Jesus didn't die? The answer to that question, what if Jesus didn't die? The answer is really good for Jesus and really bad for us. If Jesus didn't die, that's good for him. Absolutely disastrous for us. If Jesus did not suffer and die for our sins, that means we would have to suffer and die for our sins. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Wages is the result. The result of just one sin, one thing that we've said, one thing we've done, one thought we've had, the result of just one of those is eternal punishment in hell. 
you add up all the sins we've done, and it is unimaginable what we deserve for that. If Jesus did not die, then he would say to us, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Eternal fire. Eternal punishment. Eternal pain. Eternal hell. If Jesus did not die, we would have to, physically and eternally. Basically, these last six weeks, as we've been asking that question, what if? What if Jesus didn't do these things? The answer to all of them is basically the same. Complete disaster. If Jesus did not do the things he did, it'd be catastrophic for us. Jesus had to die. That's why he came. That's why he was born. It's what God had planned before the creation of the world. Jesus had to die. It had to happen that way. For us? For our forgiveness? For our eternity? Reading from Luke 23. It was now about noon. And darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. This is the word of our Lord. There are some critics would say that Jesus didn't actually die. Maybe he fainted or slipped into a coma. And so when they buried him, he, they actually buried someone that was still alive. And, and when he came to, then, then he came out of the tomb. That thinking flies in the face of historical records and, and the Bible itself. First of all, Crucifixion was perfected by the Romans. Like I said, they took pride in this execution. It was the longest, most painful thing that they could, they could devise. This was those soldiers' job. If they let someone who escaped get by who was to be executed, they themselves would be executed. And so when they were told to crucify someone, they did it. Take a look at this picture. This is an archaeological find. This is a heel bone and a nail through it. This was someone that was crucified. This is what they did. It was brutal and it was deadly. Every time. There's a YouTube video out there of a, of a medical doctor, a trauma doctor, emergency room doctor, explaining from a, a, a medical perspective the things that Jesus would have endured as he was crucified. This is one of the things he said. So even if 
he survived the crucifixion, he would have had to survive what I believe to be a lethal injury by the spear. What is described is the loss of water and blood, and that would either be a pleural infusion or pericardial infusion, uh, and the blood would have come from either the pulmonary artery, pulmonary vein, aorta, vena cava, or the heart itself. None of those injuries, unless you're treated immediately by a trauma surgeon with all the advanced equipment that we have, would be survivable even after a few minutes. There's no doubt at all. Jesus died. Why? One of the last things he said while on the cross is, it is finished. In the original Greek, it's pronounced tetelestai. It means paid in full. Kind of like this receipt. Everything's been paid. There is nothing left. Jesus paid it all. A reading from John 19. Now was the day of preparation, and the next day was to be a special Sabbath. Because the Jewish leaders did not want the bodies left on the crosses during the Sabbath, they asked Pilate to have the legs broken and the bodies taken down. The soldiers therefore came and broke the legs of the first man who had been crucified with Jesus, and then those of the other. But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water. The man who saw it has given testimony, and his testimony is true. He knows that he tells the truth, and he testifies so that you also may believe. These things happened so that the scriptures would be fulfilled. Not one of his bones were broken. And, as another scripture says, they will look on the one they have pierced. This is the word of our Lord. Now, there was a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. 